Hey, good morning, Grace Church. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Hey, if we have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I get the opportunity to uh, oversee what we do here on Sundays. I also get the opportunity to oversee a lot of our support staff, uh, including Sierra, wherever you went. The lights are bright. If you're in here, I can't see you. Uh, But including Sierra, we're happy to have her on the team. Really excited. She just has a heart uh, for the Lord. She has a heart for the students. Um, she just brings so much joy, and I'm just I'm so excited to have her a part of the team. I'm also excited that we've got Chelsea back with us. Uh, we can give it up for her real quick if you love Chelsea. She did a phenomenal job. She, she took a little bit of time off. She, took a, she did a phenomenal job of getting us uh, some awesome guest worship leaders, and so um, I'm just I'm so happy to have Chelsea back. Absolutely love her and, uh, and love having her on the team. Chelsea, if you can hear me, love you. You're awesome. Again, I can't really see if you're down there or not. Um, if you're watching online, very special welcome to you. I want to encourage you. Let us know in the comment section where you are watching from. Let us know how we can be praying for you. I also want to encourage you to share this message. I believe that God wants to not only encourage you, but he wants to encourage one of your friends or family members via this message. So let's jump in. I'm excited because I get to continue our series called I Declare War. And it's based off of the sermon series and uh, a book by Pastor Levi Lusco. And the truth of the matter is this, we are all fighting some sort of battle within. And in this series, we're taking uh, some real practical looks about how we can get out of our own way so that we can find victory in Jesus. Last week, Pastor Scott talked to us about what it means to declare war on our thoughts and the importance of fighting that battle that we deal with in our head. And today, we're going to be talking about our words and declaring war on our words because our words matter. They matter to those around us. They matter to us and to our life and to our livelihood, and they matter, most importantly, to God. See, I don't know about you, but I've always been the type of person where I talk just a little too much. I tend, to, I tend to say the things that pop into my head. If it pops into my head, it pops out of my mouth. Now, it's gotten me into trouble. There's been a few times where it's been a, a good thing, but for the most part, it's gotten me into trouble. And I've had to learn how to use wisdom in order to, to shape the things that I say. And I've always been like that. I've always been the type of person to just say the things that come to my head. Even as a little kid, I remember there was one time, I was probably about seven years old, and I was at my grandparents' house with my, my mom and dad and my brother. Some of my cousins were over there as well. And all the adults were outside. They were eating, drinking. They were being merry. They were having a good time. And we were all inside. The kids were all inside having a good time. And we decided we're going to watch a movie. And I'm going to date myself real quick here. But I went and grabbed a VHS tape, right? Who remembers those, right? A little VHS tape. Went to put it in a VCR, that's like a, a Blu-ray player, for those of you who are younger, just a lot bigger. Uh, I go to put it in the, v, the VCR, and I'm just messing around with it, and I end up getting the tape stuck. And I'm like, oh man, this isn't good, this is not a good thing, my grandpa is not going to be happy with me. Now let me tell you something about my grandpa, it's really important that you know this about him. Uh, he was a man's man. And when I say man's man, it's like he wore, he wore boots He wore Wranglers, he wore like turquoise jewelry, a bolo tie, a cowboy hat. He had had guns on the wall, like just for decoration. He was in the Marines, and after he was a Marine, he was a firefighter. And then after he was a firefighter, he was, was um, what did he do after that? He was a truck driver. And I'm sure somewhere in there, he was like a dragon slayer. I mean, he was 
a man's man. He was not the type of guy that you want to get on his bad side. So my grandpa comes in, and he's angry because he thinks I broke his VCR. So I go outside, and I'm telling my mom and my dad, I'm like, Grandpa's mad at me, and I don't know why he's mad. At, I didn't break his VCR. But, right? I'm getting all upset as a little kid. Well, then I decided, you know what? Something popped into my head, and I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to tell my mom and dad exactly what I think. You know, Grandpa's being a jerk. Right? Yeah. It seemed like a good idea at the time. As it was coming out of my mouth, I'm like, no, trying to pull the word back in, but I just couldn't do it. We all know that's impossible. Little did I know that while I was talking with my parents, my grandpa had come back out and he was sitting at the other end of the table and he heard me call him a jerk. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what, God, you gave me seven great years on this earth. This has been fun. Jesus, you're calling me home today because this is it. He's going to take one of those decorations off the wall and this is how I'm going to get, this is it. In that moment, I knew I messed up. I knew that I had said something that I shouldn't have said. I knew that I had a consequence coming my way. I knew that I had a punishment coming my way. And we'll get back to that punishment here in just a few minutes. Now, not everybody is like that. Not everybody, uh, all of us, we don't all just say the things that pop into our heads. I would say that for all of us, we, we all fit into three primary categories. Now, don't freak out. I'm not labeling you here. But for the most part, when it comes to the way that we use our words, we either fall into one of these three categories. The first category is the one that I fall into, and that's those of us who just, we, we say what's on our mind. We don't have much of a filter, and we need to work on keeping that filter and, 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 and enabling that filter so that we use wisdom in the words that we say. The second group tend to, you're the, you're the type of person, you, you don't speak up all that often. You tend to be more on the quiet side, and even when people try to pull things out of you, you really don't always say exactly what you're thinking. And it's not a bad thing. Then there's that third category that we all hate, but we all strive to be. It's that person who just always has the right thing to say at the right time. When it's time to be funny, they're funny. When it's time to be serious, they're serious. They always have the right eloquent words to say in the right timing. And we should all be striving for that, but we don't all fit into that category. A uh, 2007 study revealed that on an average day, the average person, uh, gender aside, um, uh, the average person says anywhere from five to 47,000 words in a given day. And the reason why I say gender aside is because most people assume, well, it's got to be the ladies who actually speak more than, than the men. And actually, in this study, the top few talkers were actually men. And so really, this, this crosses any sort of preconceived notions or assumptions that people might have, but we say up to 47,000 words on an average day. And within those words, we're fighting a battle. We're trying to figure out what we should say, what we shouldn't say, if what we're going to say is helpful. We're fighting through, is this the right time to say this? Are these the right words that I should really be using when I'm dealing with this situation? Some of us are fighting to speak uh, words of life and positivity. Some of us are fighting to not speak the negative words that we want to share. And others of us are just trying to speak up for ourselves because we feel walked all over. We feel like we're not heard in a particular relationship or a particular situation. So we're fighting to speak up for ourselves. Truth be told, too many of us have just given up the fight on our words. If we find ourselves in that first category and we tend to, to say whatever we think and we give up that fight, we just say, you know what, I'm just going to say whatever I want. 
let's remove the filter. I'm just going to say anything that I want to say. And we, come, we become harsh with our words. We become brash and we become aggressive with our words. And we, we hide all of it under this excuse of, well, it's just my personality. I took a personality test. And that personality test said that I'm a, I'm a leader, I'm a manager, I'm a charger, and so I'm just going to say what I think. And if people don't like it, that's their problem. I'm just, I'm too real for some people. Or, if you tend to be more quiet and passive, you tend to fall more into uh, being even more passive and not speaking up and not sharing the things that you, need to, that you need to share. You end up finding yourself maybe getting walked all over because you're not speaking up for yourself, and you become extremely passive with the way that you communicate. And culture has perpetuated this issue of being extremely passive with our words. Even, even those who are outspoken have become a lot more passive in the last few years because our culture has perpetuated that you should be quiet, this concept of, of keeping your opinion to yourself because if, if you share your opinion, what could happen? You could be labeled it could be called hate speech. Somebody could, could, could cancel you. They could call you a racist. They can call you a sexist. They can call you a phobic or anti. They can call you a liberal. They can call you a conservative. They can call you and label you all these different things if they don't like what you have to say. And so what do we do? We keep our words to ourselves. We live in a culture that has become overly sensitive to the things that are being said, even if there's truth in it. I'm 38 years old. I'm, I'm continue to like just date myself here. I am 38 years old. And if you're in my generation, we grew up with South Park and Eminem. So when did people in our generation end up getting so offended by the words that are said? It's shocking to me. It truly is shocking to me. At what point in time did it become hate speech to share an opinion that was different than somebody else's? And at what point did we become so sensitive that we started labeling everything that we don't like as hate speech? When did we uh, become so concerned and so consumed with being overly sensitive that when someone says something that we don't like, we cancel them and we disrespect them and we, we, we mistreat them and we put them into this category? Our words are powerful. The things that we say are intertwined in who we are, our culture, and they matter to God. Because there's this fear of being labeled, because there's a fear that people have of, of, of really being um, canceled and, and, and told that the words that they're saying are too harsh, we find that so many people are, are um, they're, they're finding themselves, what's the word I'm looking for? They find themselves uh, falling into the place of anonymity. That's the word I was looking for. Especially online, Right? Online, people want to fall under this whole category of, of, of secrecy. Last year alone, in 2020, Facebook deleted 5.8 million fake Facebook accounts. Now, that's a lot of people trying to remain anonymous, yet still share their thoughts and their feelings. If you have an issue with a business, you can easily go online and create a fake Google account or Yelp account, and you could just type away and become a keyboard warrior and just blast your opinion and shame a business because you had a bad experience. People love to hide behind anonymity. Even online, some of you who are watching right now, we have individuals who get online and they create fake accounts to, to share their words of loving criticism about our sermons and our messages. 
We love to hide behind anonymity because we don't want to have to stamp our name upon our feelings and be labeled something or be called out with the things that we do or we say. Being too aggressive with our words, it can cause irreparable damage to our, to our reputations, to our relationships. Ultimately, we can end up isolating ourselves from everybody that we love. And being too passive uh, with our words, it can also hinder our impact that we could have for God's kingdom because we're not sharing the truths that need to be shared. It's time, Grace Church, I believe that it is time that we declare war on our words. I believe, Grace Church, it is time that we start fighting against words of discouragement with words of encouragement and validation. Grace, I believe that it is time for us to fight against words of judgment with words of love and with grace. I believe it's time for us to fight words of criticism with words of honor and respect. And I believe that it is time for us to fight words of complaint with words of gratitude and words of thankfulness. See, in this moment, you might be thinking to yourself, that's, that's great, Dan. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I, need, I need to shape my words a little bit better. This is all really important stuff, and it's great for the way that I interact with people, but does God care? Does God care? Does it really matter to God? Do my words really matter to the creator of the universe? Yes. Your words have power. They are very, very powerful. And today in our message, we're going to be looking at a lot of different verses and we're going to be looking at a, a few different passages. And I want you to know that we're doing that intentionally because I want you to know that this isn't some random, obscure concept that we're pulling from some, some tiny book that we find in scripture. This is a biblical principle that we see that is close to the heart of God all the way from the Old Testament into the New. And so we're going to be looking at a broad spectrum because I want you to understand and embrace this idea that God, God's words matter to you and your words matter to God. In Proverbs 15, 4, it says, gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs uh, 18, 4, it says this, says a person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. And this is one of my favorites, Proverbs 18.21. It says this, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Talk about powerful. The tongue has the power of life and death. Our words are powerful and they matter. Yohanda Berg, he is an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. This is what he says when it comes to words. He says, words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively using words of despair. Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. We must understand that our words are powerful. And because our words are so powerful, I want us to understand that your words have the power to impact others. Your words have the power to impact others, whether they're big words or small words. You have the ability to speak life or to speak death. You have the ability to add value to someone and lift them up with your words. You also have the ability to tear somebody down and dishonor them and devalue them with your words. 
One of the biggest lies that each and every one of us were told when we were a kid was this. Sticks and stones may hurt, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know that's a lie. If you made it through junior high, you know that that's a lie. If you've shared with anybody your opinion on, on COVID or masks or, or uh, who you voted for, you know words can be hurtful. People are mean. And think about it for a second. Think about we all have our issues, we all have our insecurities, and none of us really like when someone brings us a direct, mean critique. We don't like that. But the truth of the matter is, is even the little words, if they're not big, huge critiques of us, the little words can impact us as well. Just think about it. If someone came up to you and they're like, hey, that, that shirt's looking a little tight. Did you put on a little weight? It's like, no. It's rude. Or if somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, make sure you get some rest this weekend. You're looking a little tired. It's like, well, you don't look so good yourself, Janet. Like, the little things, the little things that people say can really impact us based on some of our own uh, issues and insecurities, but our words matter. On the flip side of that, think about how a small little word of affirmation or a small little word of encouragement that was maybe unintentional by somebody, think about how that impacted you or think about how that would impact you. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, what's up, skinny? You're looking slim. It's like, oh, I haven't really lost any weight, but maybe I'll eat a salad for lunch. Or if someone comes up to you, maybe you're struggling in your faith a little bit and they come up to you and they share a story with you about how God has done something amazing in their life, it kind of reinvigorates your faith a bit. Or maybe you're just having a tough time at work and someone says, you know what, I just wanted to tell you that that we couldn't, have, we couldn't have completed that project without you, and so I just want you to know like, that you were valued in that. A word of affirmation can actually flip somebody's day around. And if I'm being really honest about this here, I am not good at this at all. I, am, I, am, I have to be extremely intentional when it comes to speaking words of affirmation because it doesn't come natural to me. And this is actually an issue in my marriage I've been married for almost 15 years and my wife's love language is words of affirmation. So that's a problem when, when I'm weak at this, but it's her love language. It's the way that she really receives uh, love from me. I'll never forget, it was just a few weeks ago, my wife comes in and she had gotten her hair done. She comes walking in the door and she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look as bad as it did before. And I'm, I'm thinking, see, everybody's like, oh, oh, I... To me, I'm like, well, that's a compliment. I just, I just totally validated my, it looks better than it did before. That's, gentlemen, just real quick, real quick. I did it wrong, okay? I did it wrong. It's not the way that you do it. That's not the way that you should, you know. Um, but it's something that I've had to be intentional about and work through. And I've learned and developed skills over the last almost 15 years of marriage. I've developed skills to be able to intentionally do this. And there's one that I just want to give you real quick. If you're, you're thinking to yourself right now, I struggle with that. I'm not very good at being, uh, giving words of affirmation naturally, so I have to like work on it and be intentional about it. Uh, it it's a little saying that, that, I, that I've tended to use, and it actually comes from a neighborhood watch slogan. If you see something, say something. We've all heard that before, right? But what it is is this. If you see something in somebody that's positive, you say it. If you're thinking something positive about somebody, you say it. 
That's what I did when I, when I came up here and I talked about uh, how much I love and appreciate Sierra and how much I, I'm happy to have her on the team and how much I love and appreciate Chelsea and how I'm happy to have her back. I'm back there thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. So what I did was I came out and I said it. So if that's something that you struggle with, I want to encourage you. Utilize that slogan. If you see something, say something. I want you to understand something, though, Grace, that the power of our words, it, they go so much farther. It goes so much deeper. It's so much more impactful than just words of complaint or words of, of criticism and, and words of compliment. It, it means, it's so much more than that, the power that we have in our words. It goes beyond those things. We have the opportunity on a daily basis to utilize our life-giving words to speak positivity into someone's life and into every interaction that we have, even the negative ones. The power of our words can even impact the negative interactions that we have and the conflicts that we have. Paul writes this in Ephesians 4, 29 through 30. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul's giving us another filter here. He outlines four things. He says, look, when you're talking with someone, may your words that you use, may nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful to build up others so that it will benefit them. If you're dealing with a conflict at work, an argument with, with a loved one or a neighbor, maybe you're just having a tense conversation with somebody who's got a different uh, political view than you or cultural view than you. You can use this filter to know and understand that you shouldn't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only what is gonna benefit them. I want us to understand that fighting the war against our words is not an avoidance of conflict. It's fighting to exercise and use wisdom to choose godly words during conflict. Let me say that again. Fighting the war against our words is not an avoidance of conflict. It's fighting to exercise wisdom to choose the right godly words during conflict. Not only do your words have the power to impact others, but your words have the power to impact you. They have the power to impact you. Think about it for just a second. Who do you talk to on a daily basis more than yourself? Think for a second. You, you talk to you. It's called self-talk. That's what you're doing right now. When I ask you to think, you're like, well, I talk to Bill quite often, but I do talk to myself right now. Oh, wait, I'm talking to myself right now in this moment. It's self-talk, and it comes out in two primary ways, the positive self-talk and the negative self-talk. The positive self-talk, you're heading into a meeting, and you're thinking to yourself, I've got a lot to add to this meeting. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm so glad they put me on this project. I've got a few ideas that I think are really going to push this thing forward, and so we're going to do this thing. I'm pumped. That's that positive self-talk. The negative self-talk, we've all heard it. That, that, that negative self-talk is, is we're driving into that same meeting. We're like, ah, why was I even invited to this meeting? I don't bring any, any value to the meeting. I don't have any ideas. Last time I was in the meeting, Janet said I looked tired. Like, well, why am I even going? This is pointless. That's that negative self-talk. Believe it or not, as mean as other people can be, we can be our own worst critics. We can talk so bad about ourselves, to ourselves, on a consistent basis. And Pastor Scott talked about this last week, and if you didn't get a chance to check out that message, I would encourage you, go back and watch it. It's on our website, it's on, excuse me, YouTube and Facebook. But he talked through what it meant uh, to, to take control of our thoughts. 
and how our thought life, it really mattered and how it can determine our direction. Our words are a part of that. Not only self-talk, but our words in general can impact us because our words are always going to have a byproduct, either a positive or a negative outcome with the words that we say. When I called my grandpa a jerk, that had a negative outcome. I knew that the punishment was coming. He called me down to the end of the table where he was. He had just heard that I'd called him a jerk. And he saw the words come out of my mouth and I walked down there to him and, and he's like, you know, son, you're in trouble. And I'm like, I know, Grandpa. Now, my grandpa had some creative ways of punishing me and my brother and my cousins. I'll never forget one time he had this big pile of rocks on one side of his front yard. And we got in trouble for doing something. And, and he lived, they lived out by the Colorado River, so it was hot outside. And I'll never forget, he goes, hey, boys, I want you to move all of those rocks from over there, from that side of the yard to that side of the yard. So we did. We moved everything over. And then he's like, you know what? I think I like them back over there instead. We spent the afternoon moving heavy rocks because we got in trouble. My grandpa was real creative when, it, when he was coming up with these punishments. So this time I knew I was in trouble. And my grandpa's creativity was on another level that day. And I walk over there and, and he pulls out his pocket knife. Now don't worry, he didn't stab me, everybody. He cut me just a little bit. Right? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> He pulls out his pocket knife, he gives me his pocket knife, and he's like, go find, a, go find a low tree, and I want you to cut a little stick off, and I'm going to swat you with it. Well, you pick the stick out, cut it, bring it to me, and I'm going to swat you with it. Now, don't freak out, everybody. My grandpa was not abusive. I am a better man because of the discipline in my grandpa's life. Um, I miss him dearly. We lost him about nine years ago or so, but he was a great, great man. I miss him a lot, but his discipline in my life has really helped shape who I am. I'm terrified of trees for some reason. I don't know like what that's about, but no, I'm just kidding. He was a great, great man. You see, our words, there's a negative or a positive byproduct. If you're sitting here today and you're happily married or you're, you're in a, a happy, loving relationship, that's a byproduct of someone's words because one of you chose at one point in time to share your, your thoughts and your appreciation and your affirmation for someone and you asked them out on a date and if you're married, one of you asks the question, will you spend the rest of your life with me? Will you marry me? Your words have a byproduct. If you go into your boss at work and you say, hey, these are the things I've been doing and I believe I deserve a raise, you may just get a raise. Your work and your words contributed to that. Just like if you end up getting written up at work, it's probably because you used your words to call your boss incompetent. Our words can impact us. They all have a byproduct, whether good or bad. The most important reason that I believe that we need to declare war on our words is because our words are more than just words. The words that you use are more than just words. We see in Matthew 15, we see some of these Pharisees come up to Jesus and he's with his disciples and the Pharisees start asking Jesus and the disciples, they start challenging him about washing their hands before they were eating. Now it's important to understand a little bit of the context here that, that it wasn't that the disciples and Jesus had dirty hands and they were actually eating with dirty hands. The issue here was that the Pharisees were so stuck on this traditional hand washing, cleansing ceremony that was supposed to be done before eating. 
And Jesus and the disciples, they weren't doing this. And the Pharisees are getting frustrated and they're like, why are you just throwing tradition out the window? Why are you not caring and focusing on tradition? And Jesus pushes right back on them just in typical Jesus fashion. And he goes, look, why are you so worried about tradition, but you're breaking God's commandments? You're breaking the commands of God. And everybody's kind of confused in this moment. Everybody's like, wait, 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 what? Help us understand like what it is that you're saying, Jesus. And in Matthew 15, verse eight, Jesus, he quotes Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament. And he says this, he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He goes on to say this in verse 10 and 11 of Matthew 15. Jesus says, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Still a little kind of confused. Peter says, Jesus, you just ruffled some feathers. The Pharisees are not happy with you right now. But can you explain to us like what it is that you mean? Because we're still, talk to us like we're five because we're still not getting it. And Jesus says this in 17 through 20. He says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. It starts in the heart. Grace, I want you to understand that the words that are coming out of your mouth, they're a byproduct of the condition of your heart. Your rude comment to a coworker, snapping at a loved one, even if you have an interaction with somebody you may not like very much, and as you walk away, you just kind of mumble something negative about them under your breath. Your words matter, but they matter because they're a reflection of the condition of your heart. And if we're going to choose to win the war against the words that we use, it starts in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. It starts by giving our hearts fully to Jesus. Not just our lips, not just our actions, not just our thoughts. These things are important. But it starts by us giving our hearts to Jesus because he's the one that can truly transform us from the inside out. That's the important thing. Our words have the power of life and death, but it's only through the resurrecting power of Jesus that he can bring our hearts from death to life. If you are a follower of Jesus today, here's what I want you to understand. You might be thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus and I still use words I don't wanna use. I still talk bad about people. I talk bad about myself. I'm just... There's so much fighting this battle daily. That's okay, it's a process. Continue on a daily basis to give your heart to Jesus, to lay it down at the foot of his cross and to allow him to continue to transform you and mold you on a regular basis. I want you to understand if you're a follower of Jesus that your ability to speak words of love and grace, they're a direct result of his transforming power in your life. And if you're still struggling with it, that's okay. Continue to allow Jesus, continue to declare war on your words and the war in your heart and give it all to Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, here's my hope 
and my prayer for you. My hope and my prayer for you is that you have understood that your words matter and that they're important and that they impact those around you. Whether you're online or whether you're in here today, I want you to understand that God's words matter to you. The words of his son Jesus say this in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would heed these words, understand the power that is in these words, and choose to declare war on your words by giving your heart to Jesus today. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, for challenging us. God, for challenging me in writing this message and recognizing the, the areas of my life that, that I need to get control of my words and to take my words captive, God, I thank you. I thank you for that conviction. God, I pray that for those who are in here that, that are also feeling that same way, I pray, God, that you would just encourage our hearts, remind us that you are here to walk with us every step of the way as we fight the battle against our words. And if someone's in this place today or watching online and, and they haven't made that decision yet to follow you, I pray that in this moment that they would choose to do that. And if that's you, just in the, the quietness and the stillness of your own heart, just repeat this prayer after me. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and I, I want you to come into my life today. Help me fight. Help me fight this battle. Help me declare war against my thoughts and against my lips and against the powers of darkness. If you said that prayer today, we want to celebrate with you. And as we go from here, God, I pray that we would do our best to reflect you in our words, reflect you in our thoughts, and reflect you in our deeds. Continue to transform us from the inside out. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.